All right, welcome back to Lindroth Hockey Podcast. You're here with a single co-host today. It's just me, Andrew, riding solo. My father's actually still in Europe uh, with my stepmother on vacation currently. Um, so it'll be just me, and today we still have a special guest. We've been excited for this one, especially myself. Um, today we have special guests with us today, Braden Lowe. So Braden played competitive hockey his whole life, and uh, his journey began with a strong season of PIJHL and then later finished in the WHL in 2011 with the Portland Winter Hawks. He continued playing between several leagues um, for various teams until 2015, and then later committed to playing at the University of Alberta from 2015 to 2016. After that season, he went on to sign his first pro contract in the ECHL with the Rapid City Rush. Since then, Braden, now 27 years old, has played in the ECHL, AIHL, and in Germany, and is now back in the ECHL for this current 21-22 season, suiting up for the Reading Royals. He is currently having a strong season with five goals, 11 points, and 19 appearances. And we are so excited to have him on the show today. So, Braden Lowe, man, how are you doing today? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Probably sounds like your mother wrote it or Elite Prospects wrote it up, but, uh, you know, something that we do for the show. So, uh, Braden, let's start from the beginning. Um, you know, I don't know if uh, there was tons of fireworks back in your early days, especially, you know, starting in your junior career, but, you uh, you, know, you got your first start, you know, in the PIJHL um, and then went to the WHL at the tail end of the 2011 season. Is, am I mistaken on that? No. So, yeah, I started off playing home there first year junior at 16 with the Richmond Sockeyes, uh, local junior B team. It was great playing at home in front of friends and family. I was also drafted by the Portland Winterhawks. So I think there was four games during that season. I got called up in December, got my first taste of uh, what it was like to play in the Western Hockey League and, and then went back to Richmond and, and finished the year there. So was it a uh, difficult transition going into the WHLs you're kind of saying? I mean, was the, I guess the hockey a bit different in the PIJHL? Um, the Western Hockey League was really good at that time. There were a lot of big names that came through. The hockey was next level. So uh, a little bit different than banging around in junior B with uh, local 19 and 20 year olds. Uh, it was a good experience for me. Like I said, I met a lot of good people and it kind of got me ready. And, you know, when you play at that level, you know, at, at a young age, you get used to playing with the bigger and older guys, regardless how skilled they are. It's, it's always an, an eye opener when you're 16 playing against guys that are 20. So, and that went up to the Western hockey league and uh, yeah, those guys were a little bit bigger and faster for sure. Yeah. So you had played, you know, between like three different leagues for like two or three years during this time. I know it probably was all kind of a blur at this point, but BCHL, PIJHL, WHL, I mean, you were like, what, 17, 18 at this time? I mean, as a young man, how did you adapt to, you know, moving around so much, playing in different leagues, or was it just kind of, you know, it, it is what it is? Yeah, it was pretty difficult, to be honest. There was a lot of crazy shit that went on. And at 17, I, I broke my knee, and then I went up to, so I didn't make the the Portland Winterhawks. To be honest, like, I, there wasn't a spot for me on that team. They were just so good. I went up to play in Merritt, which is three hours uh, north of home in the BCHL. Played the season there, and then the next season was also a bit of a circus. My rights got traded from Portland to Seattle. Then I went from Seattle to Merritt, Merritt to Powell River, and then uh, Powell River to Everett. All within a matter of like two months, I want to say. So by mid-November, I was a member of the Everett Silvertips and just, just pretty much, and that was my 18-year-old year. So just pretty much a fill-in, fourth-line pigeon that just kind of sat on the bench and I kind of knew that things needed to change uh, with my game and um, a new coach came in and Kevin Constantine the next two years and put the work boots on and was able to make it work and stick around there for two more years. Yeah. And so uh, 
what was kind of the conversations like when that was going on, you're being loaned, you're being moved, especially as like a young kid. I mean, was the conversations a bit different, you know, to when you're a pro and moving around and we'll kind of get to that later, but I'm curious as to like when you're kind of in those junior days, kind of how those conversations go, because uh, I, mean, I got to imagine parents are involved because, you know, especially for WHL, I mean, you're moving to different cities still. Yeah. Right? So pretty cutthroat, like um, the Western hockey leagues is as much of a business as, as any league out there, to be honest. So they don't really care about your feelings or your parents, or it's, you know, the, they have the best players in there as possible. And the teams want to make money and win. Um, it was difficult for sure. Like there were some dark days and, but luckily I had good support from my friends and family and just found a way to get better and ended up making a, a career in the Western league. And so not to get into, you know, any dark days during those times, but that obviously had to definitely shape your character quite a bit and into going into being a pro and going through the grind of a pro hockey player um, that had to kind of help shape you for the next few years. Right. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think whenever you go through difficult experiences, especially by yourself, when you're 16, 17, 18, away from home in a different, you know, with a billet family, it's just the dynamic is just so much different than 99% of the the people that I know or grew up with. If you're not a, a hockey guy, it's probably pretty tough to relate to the business that we're in and just the way that things happen. And sometimes guys get moved or guys get released and, and there's, you know, you can either keep playing or fold in the tent. So for me, I just kind of took it day by day, but I was pretty lucky to have a really good support system behind me and getting me through the tough times in junior. Yeah. And so before we move on from your junior days, I do like to ask this question to a lot of our guests that, you know, play a lot of competitive hockey in, in their, uh, you know, teenage years, especially in multiple leagues. Did you, were you able to still live like a, you know, I mean, just somebody that has not played junior hockey or anything. Did you, were you able to live a normal teenage life, hang out with friends, maybe go to a party, still do homework on time? Or was it kind of a different dynamic, you know, as far as, as that in your life or for other hockey players too, that you noticed? Um, probably 50, 50, like during the seasons, especially being in the U S like it was really tough. Uh, obviously we're all underage, so we couldn't go to bars <laughs> or anything like that, but <laughs> we go to odd parties here and there, but at that age, you're playing 72 games and 90% of them are on Friday, Saturday. So there isn't a lot of time for extra shit. Uh, obviously back home in the summers and Christmas breaks, like that's when it's time to unwind a bit, see your friends and family and start enjoying it a little bit because those days you don't get back, but on the, on the same side of it, like it's just been so rewarding. I mean, I know there's a, a lot of tough shit that we go through as players, but at the end of the day, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. Awesome. Yeah. So, you know, Fast forward through that, you know, you have played two full seasons with Everett and then you uh, committed to the University of Alberta for one year, correct? Yeah. What's, what's the story behind that? <laughs> yeah, it, it was honestly like I'm I'm more open talking about it now. Just it was a bit of a fucking circus. And I just I didn't like it. I didn't like the school. I didn't like what I was taking. The guys were great, but I just didn't see eye to eye with the coach. They kind of panicked and brought in this guy last minute, probably had no business being in, in the position he was in. And for a while there, it made me truly hate hockey on ice stuff, off ice stuff that just shouldn't have happened. And, you know, looking back, I got to take responsibility for it as of that time as a college student, but um, it just wasn't for me. And through that first year, I, I just had enough and, you know, was fortunate enough to turn pro and, and, and start that whole journey. But you kind of figure out if the college route's for you. And it was pretty difficult. Like I graduated high school in 2012 and then 
was pretty much just playing junior hockey for the next three years. So going back to a school was challenging and not to mention I was in Edmonton where it was minus 50 for five months. So it was definitely a difficult uh, year, but like I said, I was, I was fortunate enough to have options. Yeah. So kind of having that, you know, shitty taste in your mouth for hockey, you know, following, you know, that, that year at the university of Alberta, what kind of then switched your attitude um, to say, you know what, I am going to give this pro hockey thing a go and I'm going to, you know, put my head down and work and grind and just enjoy what I do. Yeah. I mean, I always kind of want to try it. And I had some options after my 20 year old year in junior. So I, I knew I could, you know, probably at least give it a shot somewhere. Obviously that was delayed a year, but after that university year, I just said, Hey, let, let's go try it and got an opportunity. So uh, was, was it a similar uh, transition um, going into the ECHL? You know, you were playing probably with full cages and college, you know, no fighting and everything. Now you're playing with grown men that are grinding away. And I mean, that's got to be quite the transition, man. How, how did you deal with that? Yeah, I mean, Canadian college isn't the best to begin with. The team that I was on, Alberta was really good, but the competition wasn't great. Um, so going to, to pro, like you said, bigger, stronger grown men, it was eye opening, and I didn't go down like in the, probably the best shape of my life. Uh, I just wasn't ready to, you know, take full advantage of the opportunity. And we were a terrible team and we played just like, we played good teams all the time. And one of those teams was, uh, Colorado Eagles. They were our closest game. Uh, and they ended up winning that year. They, I think we played them like 16 times. It was just a different world, like compared to college, uh, to step up. And I know it's like, you know, the, the ECHL, like it's good hockey. And it was pretty good hockey back then. It's come full circle now. Like the, the hockey is just so good. These kids coming up are unbelievably talented. So we've had to adapt and I've had to adapt every year, not only to stay in the league, but be a good player. And it's just the development's come so far. So it's definitely a, an eye opener for sure. So you get your uh, first contract with Rapid City Rush. How did that come about? How did you get the call? Did you make a call to teams? I mean, how does that even happen as somebody that's on the outside? I can't remember. Um, for, I think I think it was a connection in Everett or an old GM uh, was in the American League. And I think that's how it started. Pretty much done within a matter of, of a few weeks from what I remember. And it's just like, hey, you're going to Rapid City. You sign the contract. Here's your five hundred dollars a week, and and <laughs> uh, and and go try and make the team. And that was pretty much the gist of it. And and got down to South Dakota. And uh, yeah, like I said, bit of a different world, but grateful for the opportunity. And so, you know, getting back into what we were getting into earlier, when you were moving around in your junior days, the following season, you spend most of your time suiting up for Quad City, and then I assume you were traded to Wichita or what. What happened there? And if you did get traded, what's the story on that? I'm always curious if they <laughs> call you or if the trainer says, hey, man, pack your bags. How did yeah. That <laughs> uh, yeah, that was so we were bad in Rapid City. We were even worse uh, in Quad City. And um, fortunately, I think I had seven points uh, my first year. So I, I didn't have a contract. Um up until the end of like late August for was when I signed in Quad City. So you know, I came off a four point season and then I had a, at the university and then I had a seven point season. So I know, like I knew something needed to change drastically if I wanted to keep doing this full time. I hired a, a local trainer in Richmond and just developed and fortunately got a lot of ice time and, and a chance to play and did well enough. Uh, unfortunately, we were a terrible hockey team. So come 
uh, playoff time. And I was just tired of losing and I, I wanted to play in the playoffs and, and try and win. And, um, you know, I probably didn't make the best call. I had a few options, but I probably didn't make the best call and going to Wichita and, and trying, <laughs> trying to win a Kelly cup there, uh, especially since we played Colorado in the first round, but it was just a step above of what I was playing in quad city and everything kind of fell into place, but no, I asked for a trade. There's no crazy story there. It's just, I, I wanted to go try and win and fell pretty short of that, but yeah, uh, a good experience for sure. And so, you know, I'm curious, how, how does something like asking for a trade go? And obviously, you know, you know, we talk about it off camera and as all of our listeners know, we're from, you know, parent company in Boston, Massachusetts. You've got, you know, Jake DeBrusque asking for a trade. You have their other first round pick asking for a trade. What does that do, you know, in the, you know, I guess maybe in the locker room and then maybe with the coach? Because I imagine, you know, with the team, it's probably different. You're still playing for your teammates and everything, but you know, there is that weird thing of like, well, I am ready to move on. You know, how, how does that kind of work? Um, at that point, I mean, and that's, that was the only time, uh, knock on wood, in, in my pro career I've ever been traded. But I think at that point, it was just too far gone. Like guys were jumping ship. They were going to Europe. Guys were asking for, for trades left, right, and center. And the agents involved, coaches involved. And it was like pretty well known at the deadline, like, you know, myself and a few other guys just wanted to get out of there and, and try something else. Just it, it wasn't working. That's pretty much it. And so as a Tulsa Oilers fan, as all of our fans know by now, was Tulsa ever an option? Or did you ever look at Tulsa Oilers and go, I don't know about that one. I don't think so. No, Tulsa wasn't. Uh, I don't think they were too close to the playoffs that year either. Yeah, they, they, they normally aren't, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, they got uh, good old coach uh, Rob Murray over there now. So they're doing a bit better. But, you know, it's, it's a struggle. ECHL's tough, man. And is it, you know, I want to ask this too. Uh, is it tough whenever you're having players being just yanked, you know, great players from your team going to AHL and then suddenly it's kind of like, you're having to piece together a team, right? I mean, you got to keep calling up other players or, you know, yeah. how does that? It's a lot. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's tough. Like, especially when you're on good teams, you get in a rhythm and, you know, you get chemistry, you know, throughout the line combinations and, everything just starts to click. And then, you know, the, the good teams that win get guys called up. And so it happens all the time and, and injuries and, you know, in this league, you play with 10 forwards. So there isn't a lot of room for guys getting hurt or guys getting called up before you're starting to look for other players. So um, I've been in a few of those situations where, you know, you're playing shorthanded and yeah, you're playing with seven forwards on a, on a back end of a three and three and two of your D men got concussions and you're playing with a third string goalie. So um, I've been in a, in a few pretty crazy games, but um, more often than not, it, it's pretty smooth, but there's definitely days where, you know, shit hits the fan. Yeah. Oh yeah. I can imagine. Well, so I do want to ask, so we're fast forwarding now to the 2018, 2019 season year. And so you you signed your first deal with Reading Royals, who you're with now. We'll kind of get more into that in a little bit. But uh, so you play all or most of the season, and then you randomly end up in Australia. The first time you end up playing professionally overseas, you do play seven games in what is the AIHL for the CBR Braves. So I'm not gonna lie, Braden. You know the first thing I noticed was you know your your penalty minutes went up pretty quick. Thirty five penalty minutes in seven games, man. What was a uh, was it the accents I got you? What what was it? <laughs> yeah, no, the game's a little softer down there, uh, as you can imagine. Double IHF rules. I'm a pretty physical player. I don't think uh, the local Australia. I saw. I wasn't running around murdering guys either, but I just play a, a rougher style, and uh, I don't think they liked it too much. And then I don't think the refs liked it too much either. So yeah, there were a few times where I got uh, ejected from the games. I think that's why the penalty minutes are are a little high. 
Yeah, so we, we spoke with Justin Hodgman, who, who plays for Sheffield, and he had said that it was a similar thing. You know, he had a lot of penalty minutes in a very short amount of games, and he said that in certain leagues in Europe, they actually count all your game misconducts, all those 10 you know, misconduct. So you, it all adds up really quickly. Is that pretty much what happens? I, so, yeah, I think so. I didn't get too, too many down there, but that's what happened. Yeah. And so why Australia? Pretty random. No, extremely random. How it came about my year in Quad City, I got a random email from a guy named Jordy Gavin. And he says, hey, you know, we want you to come down to Australia and play throughout the summer. And I, I thought it was a joke. I had no idea there was even hockey down there. I kind of just like blew him off. And uh, next year, that year in Reading, got the same email. And I looked at it. And unfortunately, we missed playoff by one point in Reading. And that kind of allowed me. And I was still like just super horny to play hockey. I was able to go down and, and play. And I negotiated, hey, like I, their season runs from... April to September. And I was like, I just played a 72 game season. I'm not committing to, you know, spending my entire summer down there, but I'll come for six or seven weeks and check it out. It just, it turned into an unbelievable experience. Probably one of the best hockey related experience I've ever had in my life and went down and made so many great friends. And I was able to live with the owner of the team, Jamie Wilson, who's major mentor for me and now the world of business and media and got to experience, you know, his workplace. He runs one of the best media and marketing agencies in the country. And I got to go down there and, and learn and just soak it all in and kind of open my eyes that, Hey, there's a little more to life than playing hockey. And, you know, I just took so much away from that experience and was able to see so many cool places. We were in Perth on the beach for a week, uh, Adelaide, Sydney, Newcastle. Um, so I came home uh, for the rest of summer and then they flew me back to help coach in the playoffs. So it was awesome experience for guys listening. If you ever have a chance to go down there and go do it. And, and I, I plan on going back and, you know, whether I play again down there or, or whether uh, it's business related, it's just awesome country, awesome experience. I can't say anything bad about it. Pretty strange, man. Ran random thing that happened and it ended up being one of the coolest experiences. I honestly was not expecting that. I was kind of expecting, you know, it's just a random thing ended up there. So that's pretty cool. So with that being said, then, I mean, do you keep in contact now with your mentor, Jamie Wilson, but anybody else? I mean, did you really make a lot of friends there? I mean, is there a lot of connections now that you have in Australia in that short For time? Sure. For sure. I mean, there's, uh, like I mentioned, that uh, Jordy too, another good buddy of mine and one big family down there their their wives and girlfriends and, and the players and saying hi to guys for for sure um yeah it's been i think it was 2018 so yeah it's been three years now since uh or coming up to three since i've been down there but definitely keeping regular contact with a few guys from there for sure it's pretty cool cool so yeah so you come back after the summer and you play for reading again for the season and uh then Correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, Brian, but 2020, 2021, first COVID year, first COVID season, you end up in Germany for the season. So, again, was that another random, like, hey, you know, I got an email, I'm leaving, or was that obviously because of COVID? Yeah, or? that was strictly uh, because of COVID and, and money. We got shut down in Reading, obviously, like everybody else in, in March of 2020. We were slated to go back to Reading uh, in, in November for the following, or I guess for last year's season. That ended up getting canceled again on us. Uh, our North Division, the ECHL, didn't operate. So it left guys looking for jobs. And to be honest, like I was kind of over hockey for the time being. And then another month rolls around. I was like, you know what, I, I want to play. And, and I didn't really want to go anywhere else in the ECHL. 
<laughs> and yeah, was looking at options and the German one, once Europe started to open up, I kind of got sold by how nice of, of a place it was. And for the three months I was there, it was good uh, financially, but uh, it ended up being definitely the most challenging experience I've, I've ever encountered in, in my life. And it was, uh, it was pretty wild. So most challenging experiences in language barrier, was there any crazy stories that you're thinking of? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the entire thing was just insanity. Um, like I was isolated for 100 plus days for 21 hours a day. It was a small town in the, in the south end of Germany. None of my teammates other than one spoke English fluently. Canada was locked down. Like the U.S. was like, you know, kind of locked down. Germany was 10 out of 10 locked down. The only thing that I experienced um, in the three months I was there was, <laughs> was uh, going to a grocery store. That's like pretty much the only time I saw people. You know, when you're confined to that small of a, I guess, area, uh, like I was literally in my apartment the entire day, the entire trip, other than when we play road games. But I was there for, you know, 21 hours a day, like I said, in about a 400 square foot apartment. So, you know, you really find out who you are and, and, and what you're made of uh, when an experience like that gets thrown at you. Like I can remember kind of a funny story, like the travel day getting there was, was insane. I think it was a nine hour flight from Vancouver to London. And then it was, a, I had a 10 hour layover in London. Then it was a two and a half hour flight from London to Munich. And then it was like a two and a half hour drive from Munich to the town was called Lindau. But um, that two and a half hours turned into five hours because on the day I landed, it was the biggest snowstorm in the last decade. So yeah, we get on the Autobahn and cars are flying by and we climb the mountain, we hit the snow and like it kind of like looked like you know like something out of like Siberia. Like uh, we pull off like this small town. GM picks me up. We get into the rink, and it was just like it was like going back in time. It looked like a like a World War II bunker. The dressing room, like six foot high ceilings. So I walk into the room. I drop my bag down. I'm like, yeah, I gotta check this shit out. So I walk around the room. It's like the wooden stalls. Like um, it was a complete dump. And as I walk down, like through this bunker each of the players uh, at the end of the room had eight by ten photo frames of like the soviet union players like their headshots and i i saw that i was like what the fuck am i doing here and i dropped my gear off and it's like now it's like four in the morning but not for like 36 hours and uh the the gm drops me like we go up the mountain and and get to my apartment drops me off with all my shit and says hey like there's bread and cheese in the fridge i'll see you in the morning for practice <laughs> wow yeah so that was like my first day in germany i was just like holy fuck like what am i doing like what have i done and yeah. the next couple of weeks like it was bad like i didn't have wi-fi uh phone didn't work just like no communication with the outside world and and that's when things just like got nothing but ample time to just let your mind uh wander and and it was a pretty dark time in my uh experience playing hockey that sounds like a uh, prison eight by ten nothing to do no wi-fi yeah. you know you're just down to a room so what did you do in your spare time then to kind of distract your mind i mean did you end up i know you said you were starting to get into media stuff you know back when you're in australia um did you continue to kind of do that keep yourself busy or was it like when you mean no wi-fi it was like nothing yeah i didn't really do a whole hell of a lot to be honest for the first couple of weeks just because i couldn't but um yeah like then so like backtrack um when COVID hit i drove across the country to get back home and 
the idea of a sports platform for guys in the minors. I pretty much just wanted to give like give the guys in the American League ECHL something to like call their own. You know, I know that sounds uh, cliche, but that's like kind of what I wanted to do. And I, but I didn't know like what any of that meant at the time and had tons of different ideas. But so fast forward, moving into the summer, end up meeting and, and becoming best buddies with uh, now two of the guys that we do the podcast with Adam and Jordan Haluka and was on an absolute high. Like we were living in Kelowna and having a great time and boating. And so I started to pretty much document that through social media and realize that people like were pretty interested in what we were doing. So we get to December and it's like, Hey, like let's start a, a sports platform and Hey, like let's start a podcast and let's just basically build a, a media brand around teams, players, and and their markets. And we did it. And around this time, at the one-year anniversary, we've done uh, 23 podcasts, just released one on Thursday. You know, the, the best moments, we pretty much, you know, kind of like spitting chiclets, but guys in the minors. And yeah, we've just, you know, so back to Germany, like that's when I really focused on that and had nothing but free time during the days to try and build a brand. And it's turned out to be extremely rewarding for all of us involved. Like I said, the Haluka brothers, and uh, we brought on another close buddy of ours, uh, Evan Poli, and those guys have just done an unbelievable job on the podcast. Like I said, we're, we're hockey players. We're not really media podcasters, but the more you do it, the, the better you get. And I'm pretty proud of those guys and pretty proud of like what we've built together. Awesome, man. So uh, just for our listeners um, that want to check it out, uh, Braden, where, where can they check it out? Is it YouTube, Spotify, or where, yeah, where can they everywhere you get your podcasts, uh, Spotify, Apple, literally every avenue to get your podcasts. Uh, we got Instagram, TikTok, got a website, just partnered with the PHPA, Professional Hockey Players Association. So in the new year, we plan on really... I guess getting more involved with the players telling their stories, whether that's written, kind of like the players tribune, like whether, you know, that's, they're coming on the podcast talking or, or guys want to write stories. And um, we just basically created a mental health platform too, for the players of that fall under that bracket. And, yeah, I think it's uh, that's definitely something that's needed. We've brought in uh, Tyler Smith and, and Brady Leavold to help us with that and just kind of give guys an outlet too. So what was uh, a small ideas turned into a, a, a multimedia platform for these guys? And um, yeah, like I said, just hopefully be able to give them something to be proud about. Awesome, man. Well, so uh, before we get into lightning round questions, uh, I'll have just one more question for you, Braden. So um, now that you began the new season, I think you're about 19, 20 games in. How are you continuing to deal with the current COVID protocols and just kind of the daily life now during the season? Yeah. Uh, I mean, first of all, obviously, it's great to be back here in Reading. Um, it'd been two, pretty much two full seasons since we were here. We've got great coaching staff, training staff. All, obviously, all the guys are great. Um, so I'm pretty fired up to be here. Obviously, having saying that, it's been a bit of a circus with COVID. We've been shut down for four games. Like, you know, as you see, the leagues are just getting smacked with it right now. So hopefully things don't get worse. Hopefully we're able to keep playing and keep the ball rolling. It's definitely tough times, uh, again, for all the hockey guys and, and teams and organizations. And yeah, hopefully we can get through it and keep going here and, and throughout the new year. And, and um, hopefully the team here makes a good push for, for a champion. Cool. So we're going to head into the lightning round, Braden. So I'm going to ask pretty fast questions to you. You can answer, uh, you know, the question back uh, quickly, or if you have a story, by all means, tell the story. So which arena had the worst locker rooms? Oh, in pro currently? Pro. Oh. And it could be overseas. It could be here, but pro. Wheeling Nailers. 
<laughs> toughest goalie to score against. And this could be even back you know, to your junior days if there was a goalie that kind of haunted you. Well, luckily uh, in Everett, I had Carter Hart, so I didn't have to try and score against him. He's pretty good. Well, I mean, I'm not a prolific goal scorer, to be honest. So every, every goal is hard to score against. Uh, you actually got me there. Um, yeah. Uh, I got another tough one for you then, Brayden. All right. All right. Which arena, and this could be, you know, back from juniors and everything, which arena had the worst ice conditions? Worst ice conditions. Yeah, I've always had trouble uh, in Portland, Maine. Their ice has never been excellent, to be honest. Oh, okay. Interesting. Funniest or most embarrassing thing to happen to you during a game or a warm-up? You know what? Thankfully, again, knock on wood, nothing too crazy's happened to me in games or warm-ups. You know, the classic shit, like your steel falls out and then you can't get off the ice and your teammates pushing you. That's happened to me a couple times. But honestly, nothing too wild, like at the top of my head. That's good. That's good. Very good. So which, which player had the innate ability to get under your skin? Who was, who was just a rat to you? God, um, whew. I think we've both chilled out a little bit, but definitely. Uh, and I know like I was more of that type of player uh, <laughs> when I came here in Reading three years ago. But James Melindy was definitely one of the most annoying guys. Obviously, I played against him when I was in Rapid and Quad and he was in Wichita. Yeah, him and I, we definitely had our battles throughout. And and that yeah, was just something about him. Maybe it was his accent. I don't know. But uh, yeah, him him and I, we, we went at it pretty good. He always had a, a way of getting under my skin. So who was the toughest player you had to play against? And I don't necessarily mean fighting wise, but somebody who just took up space on the ice. You just couldn't do anything. You just were frustrated every time you had to play against it. You know what? I don't know. I think there's a lot of different ways I could go with that question, but I think, you know, Tra Rivier right now, they're a very good hockey team. That entire team, I would say, is just tough to play against. Uh, that decor, obviously, I'm a forward. So they have a very good combination of, of speed, skill, toughness, guys that are tough to play against. I give credit where it's due, and I think, you know, those guys as a, as a group are, do a pretty good job of shutting things down, just making it miserable to play against. And so I know it's kind of a broad question here to, to finish it off, but uh, what has been your favorite hockey memory so far in your career? Just the first thing that maybe comes to your head other than Australia. Mm. One of my favorite ones, um, my dad and I, he's been there every step of the way. Junior, like I explained earlier, was a circus, you know, for the first few years. And I think one of the cooler moments, uh, we were in Spokane for playoff series the team hadn't made it the Everett Silvertips hadn't made it past the second round I think it was like seven or eight years and we were up three games to two and went to triple overtime in Spokane uh, my dad was there and I scored the game winning goal uh, in triple overtime you know with him in the stands that was pretty cool uh, obviously helped the team get to the next round and then we ended up getting waxed by the Portland <laughs> Winterhawks strangely enough but that was probably one of the cooler moments for sure it just it kind of came full circle um, at that time. And it was awesome to have him. And um, it's always special when you can share it with your friends and family. And I've been lucky, especially this season to have my, my mom come out and have my dad come out and experience it too. Cool. Well, Braden, that's all I had for you today, man. I know it was kind of weird because we're supposed to have my dad here too. It makes it a little bit more flowy, but I appreciate you dealing with uh, my technical difficulties in the beginning as well. So, uh, man, I appreciate you taking your time and, and being on my father and I's uh, podcast today. Hey, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you.